It happened over 15 years ago, and the memory is still pretty fresh. I'd gone to the clinic, I think, to get some vaccinations for a mission trip, probably to family camp in Mexico. And the doc looked at my medical forms and said something like, uh, no wife and kids, I guess, uh, guess you're all on your own. And I don't know, I, I sort of responded something like, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Some of you may be in the same spot, where you're looking around going, who's got my back? Who's here for me when times get tough? Who can advise me when I've got questions or encourage me when I want to throw in the towel? Who are my family? Who are my people? The Bible talks about this a lot. You know, from Adam and his family to Abraham and his family, and then all the families that come from Abraham's line, all the way to Jesus who says, my family, my people are those who obey God. Family is pretty important to God. I think that's why he uses the idea of family to describe the church. And really, it's a perfect descriptor. Because as I was driving back from the clinic that day, I realized something. I'm not alone. I'm not all on my own. Even if my physical family were gone tomorrow, God has surrounded me with amazing spiritual fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters in Christ. And you guys are the ones who cheer me and push me forward. You challenge me and remind me what it looks like to live by faith. You all are God's gift to me. The church matters because it's where we find our people, where all of us mixed up and messed up folks learn to love God and love each other, where we become family. First time I heard Tim share that story, it gave me it gave me goosebumps just thinking about all the ways that the church has been like a family to me and to, to Amber over the years and, and the stories that I've heard that, that people have, have shared. And, and it also just made me think about the relationship that I have with Tim. I, I met Tim a little over five years ago. And since that time, Tim has become much more than just a friend, much more than just a co-laborer for Christ at our Bedford campus. Tim is like family to me and to Amber and to our girls. And of course, by family, I mean that he's kind of like that crazy uncle uh, that like had lost his filter years ago. And so you have no idea what's going to come out of his mouth and what mess you're going to have to clean up after he visits. Uh, but you love him because he is family. And that's kind of the way that family works sometimes. Sometimes you love family because they are easy to love. And sometimes you love family in spite of themselves. But you love family because of the bond that you share with them. When we read through scripture, we are introduced to so many metaphors to try to describe what the church is like. And so we, we read that the church is like the temple of God, the church, the people. We are where God's spirit now dwells where it resides. It once was in the tabernacle that would move from place to place and then in the temple and that's where God was worshiped. But now the spirit of God resides in us and we are his temple. We are the objects of worship in the place where he dwells. We are the bride of Christ set apart for Jesus and by Jesus eagerly waiting his return, that wedding day and the consummation of all things when heaven comes down to earth. We are the body of Christ 
We are members with unique and different gifts and abilities that partner together to live and love like Jesus lived and loved. And each of these metaphors, I mean, we could spend an entire sermon on each one of these, and they give us a glimpse into what the church is like. They help us see, it's kind of like looking at this, this diamond that helps us see just another piece of the beauty of, of the church that God has designed. And, and all of them help us understand ways that the church was designed to function and to operate and to interact with one another and the world around us. But of all of the word pictures that are used to describe the church, probably my favorite and the one that we see pop up most, I think, within the New Testament is family. The church is family. In fact, family is so essential to the identity of the church. I don't even think that you can refer to it as a metaphor. A metaphor describes what something is, is like. The church is not like family. It is family. In biblical terms, you, if you are in Christ and have placed your faith in Jesus, like look around because the people in the pew around you, they are your family and you are theirs. And like members of our own family, we didn't choose them. And you might look at some of them and go, I'm not really sure that I want to be family with you. And they may be looking at you and thinking the exact same thing. But we are bound to one another through Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is the way that God has designed his church to be a family. And Jesus actually introduces this concept early on in his ministry. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is with a group of people, his disciples and then others who had been following him. And, and he was teaching them. And his mom and his brothers come and they're looking for Jesus. And they finally find out where he is. And the, so they go to the place and some of the disciples meet them. And so they go back in. And they're like, hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are, are outside. They want, to, they want to see you. And then and look at what, what happens. Matthew 12, uh, verse 49 and 50. Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And when he says, and when it says that he pointed to his disciples, it doesn't mean that he just pointed to the 12. It means that he was pointing to the people who were following him, who, who were learning from him, who were watching his ways. Jesus says that anyone who does the will of the Father is a part of his family. And I don't think that he just means for that to be an intellectual exercise that we regard one another as brothers and sisters, but that it actually has tangible results in the way that we treat one another, that we treat one another as family, not just regard each other as family, but really treat one another as family. Fast forward to the crucifixion. John chapter 19, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He, he knows that his life is rapidly coming to an end. And, and with some of his last bits of energy, Jesus reinforces this idea of family within those who follow him. This bond that, that happens between us. And this is what we read in John 19, 
26 through 27, when Jesus saw his mother there, again, hanging on the cross, looking down, he sees his mom and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her in to his home. And notice that Jesus doesn't say, okay, mom, from now on, John is like your son. And John, from now on, my mom is like your mom. The language that he uses is actually much, much stronger than that. And we see this in this this verse that John did not just simply regard Mary as a mother-like figure. He actually took her in and cared for her like his own mother, providing for her, making sure that she was cared for and not alone because that's what family requires sometimes is extra commitment and surrender and support it requires sometimes going above and beyond so that someone else may feel cared for and that's all part of being in the church family and we see this language continue to catch on through the rest of the new testament when paul wants the church in Rome to welcome and help a deaconess named Phoebe, he calls her sister. When Peter commends Silvanus for his kingdom work, he calls him a faithful brother. And I find it interesting that if you read through the New Testament letters chronologically, like from the first ones that were written all the way to the last ones, you start seeing this family language be used more and more in the way that they refer to one another. We literally see, as we read through the New Testament, we literally see the church transforming into a family. And this relational bond that followers of Jesus experienced and that others were invited into. It was so strong that it led Paul to write in Ephesians 2.19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And he's writing these words to people who were not from Jewish descent, who were not of the Jewish faith, who had accepted Christ. And Paul is saying, not only are you now a part of the kingdom of God, but you are members of his family, sons and daughters adopted into his family and called his own. And at the best, at its best, the church is like that. The church is a family. It's how God designed it. And like any church, though, or like any family, the, the church is not always at its best. Like we all have our moments, right? <laughs> and church is no different. And there are times where we see glimpses of the church being exactly the way that God intended it to be, and it is beautiful. And there are times where, man, it is the furthest thing from it. And at its worst, the church is an institution that seeks self-preservation and control. There are plenty of examples out there of that. It's why so many people are turned off to the church. And honestly, I've had conversations with people. I'm like, hey, tell me about your church experience, your church background. Tell me what you think about the church. And they'll share with me something that has happened or something that they believe that the church is like. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a part of that either. But that's not how God designed his church. At its best, 
The church is designed to be God's family that is with and for one another, that eagerly welcomes others to join them. At its best, the church is a place where if you walk in and you see someone sitting in your seat, you don't say, hey, that's my seat. I need you to get out of it and move. It's when you say, welcome, I am so glad that you are here. <laughs> the church is at its best when people are sharing life with one another the way a family does, sharing dinner around a table, laughing and crying with each other, carrying one another's burdens and rejoicing in each other's celebrations. The church is at its best when there's a depth of relationship that stirs an affection for one another. Paul says in Romans 12, 15, one of my my favorite descriptors of what the church family looks like. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. That we have so much empathy with and for one another that when someone is rejoicing, we feel their joy. And when someone is mourning, we feel their mourning. That is the affection that we should have with one another. And it's affection that is so deep and so lasting that, listen, when problems arise, and they will arise, we work it out. We work through them. We work to protect the unity of the family, not work against it. So we refuse to talk badly about one another behind others' backs. That's why the Gospels in the New Testament talk so much against gossip because of how destructive it can be in a family and in a church family. And so we have the courage to talk to one another not about one another. We work it out. And the church is at its best when, like a family, they celebrate the next generation. We saw that happen here on stage in these last couple of services. But listen, it's not just that we celebrate and we clap and we, we honor those families. It's that we bend our preferences. We bend our traditions to make sure that the church is still relevant so that when those babies who are being held by their parents are filling the pews out there, the church is still relevant to them. And it's not just a church that was relevant to us. And the church is at its best when the younger generation shows honor and appreciation to those who came before them and made sacrifices for their behalf. The church is at its best when it is living out God's design to be a family. And there are so many characteristics that we could talk about today that define family. But I think the one that rises above all of them is, is love. Like if you were to make a, a word cloud of like descriptive words of family, love would be the biggest and the boldest and the one that was right there in the middle of them all. And then the same is true for the church family. Jesus says in John 13, 34 through 35, a new command I give you, love one another. He says, as I have loved you. And think about the, all of the ways that Jesus has loved us with this sacrificial kind of love, giving himself to us and for us. Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People will know that the church is the family of God, not because we come in here and sit together for one hour a week, but in the way that we love one another like Jesus loved us. 
And so love ought to be the defining characteristic of the church family. But what does that love look like? Well, we're actually given a really good definition of it in a passage that you might be familiar with, uh, especially if you've been to a wedding recently. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, is known as the love chapter. And, and it's oftentimes used in wedding ceremonies because it's such a beautiful description of what tender, sacrificial love between a husband and a wife looks like. And I, it's always fun um, since the movie Wedding Crashers came out a long time ago. Uh, now that uh, whenever a couple asks me to read 1 Corinthians 13 in their, in their ceremony, I always like to look up to see who's like, oh, I lost that bet or I won that bet. Like that they're making bets on which uh, sermon is going to be read in or which uh, text is going to be read in the, in the sermon. But, but we typically, when we think about 1 Corinthians 13, we think about it in terms of a wedding, of a marriage, a relationship between a husband and, and a wife. But marriage is actually not the focus of this chapter. Paul is not writing about the love that is shared between a husband and a wife. Paul is talking about the love that should be shared within the church as brothers and sisters in Christ, he is writing to a church in Corinth that um, could be called maybe something like a dysfunctional family. And we all have our moments. Every family has a moment where we're like, yeah, maybe we're not as healthy as we want to be. <laughs> Growing up, my little brother and I, he's four years younger than I am. Chad and I got along like 90% of the time. Uh, but then there are those moments where, you know, I vividly remember him chasing me around in the backyard with a baseball bat. Um, <laughs> there are times I remember uh, pummeling him on the ground and giving him purple nurples. Like that's sometimes family is healthy and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a little dysfunctional. And so the church in Corinth was a little bit dysfunctional. They were having a moment. Uh, they were more in that stage of chasing each other around with, with baseball bats there was this constant arguing and bickering with one another. They were suing each other. They were getting into all kinds of messes. And what they're doing is they're fighting, in a lot of ways, to get their own way. And Paul basically says, listen, in this section, he says, listen, the church is, is not about what you can get from it. The church is about what you can give to it. What you give to each other and how you serve and it doesn't matter what you do or how important you think your role is or how much you've given to the church. If you don't love, none of it matters. This is what he says and I, I want to read it this morning from the message paraphrase because oftentimes I find, it, uh, I find it just helpful on a familiar passage uh, to, to hear it with some fresh ears and so I turn to the, the message sometimes and so I just want to, I want to read Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this. It says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. And so no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. 
Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. And love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. Imagine what it would be like to be a part of a church family that is defined by a love like that. And I'll tell you, I've seen that type of love demonstrated so much at Sherwood Oaks. I know many people, as I've talked to people and, and as I've walked with them even, they've experienced that kind of family here within this church. But I also know that for others, and we've fallen short of that at times. And families aren't perfect and they don't always get it right. And the same is true with the church family. And so there are times when we need to ask each other for forgiveness and extend grace to one another. But this is the kind of church family that we want to be because it's how God designed us to be. So we want the defining characteristic of the Sherwood Oaks family to be love. Love for God, love for others, love for our community and the world around us. And we want that love to be expressed in action, not just words, because using our gifts to serve the church makes the family of God stronger and it's a greater witness in our community. And we are blessed with so many people who love well here at Sherwood Oaks. And at the top of the list for me are our elders. Man, I love our elders, and I've said it before, but it's worth repeating. I joyfully submit to our elders at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. They have proven themselves to me to be men of faith and integrity who love Jesus and who love the church, and they give countless hours and energy to both, and I am so grateful for them. And next week, we are going to ask you to affirm three new elders, John Barnes, Jamie Crowhurst, and Greg Reese. And to help you kind of get to know them a little bit more, I want to invite them up to the stage. And so would you please help me welcome them up here this morning? Welcome in. Glad you're here once more. Third one. This is, uh, this is it. And then you can go. There's this glorious thing after called the uh, post-preach nap. And so, yes, yeah, so you can maybe enjoy that a little bit uh, this afternoon. But thank you for being up here. I am not going to thank you for um, outdressing me today. They said that they were going to wear suits. I'm like, guys, you are setting that bar way too high. So like no expectations. All right. Uh, but yeah, looking sharp, man. So why don't we just uh, go through, and this is in response, you know, some of the feedback that, that I've heard in the five plus years that I've been here is whenever we're, we get to this um, affirmation time, you're like, I want to be able to say yes 
to these guys, but I don't even, like, I don't know them. I've never met them. I don't know who I'm saying yes to, and, uh, or I don't know who I'm saying no to. And so we just wanted to give you a little bit more of an opportunity to get to know them. So you can go to socc.org elders, and then we just wanted you to be able to hear from them directly this morning. So yeah, thank you guys for, for joining. And why don't you just go through and just introduce yourself. Um, tell us, you know, how long you've been following Jesus, uh, how long you've been a part of Sherwood Oaks, and just for fun, um, share with us your favorite dessert. Because I think you can learn a lot about a person by their favorite dessert. <laughs> oh, you got it fixed. Okay, Jamie found his favorite dessert. Wonderful. <laughs> All right, John, kick us off. My name is John Barnes. I've been a member here since uh, 2004, which would be 18 years now. Um, I've been a follower of Christ all of my life. I, there were some bumpy roads there. I got off that <clears throat> bumpy road, got on the straight road, and, and you know, it's wonderful now. So if, if, if there's someone out there that is going through those changes, the Lord's there. He's waiting mm. on you, and he's, waiting, he's warning you. So just get on that road and follow him, and, and, and he'll be true to you. Mm. Amen. So, that was a sermon right there, John. Thanks, dude. <laughs> well, I've, I've lived it, so I, I yeah, know. I to, yeah. You know, you, you can talk to someone who's been that track, had been on that track, and it sounds better when it comes from someone who has already been there, and they can tell you what to look for. Yeah, man. Yeah, right. that's great. So that uh, dessert thing. Yeah. I eat ice cream every night. Now you probably. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you still look so good, man. How, how, how do you do that? <laughs> I'm a haagen vanilla ice cream eater every night. I think my wife did. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're wondering, how can I show love to one of our elders? Hopefully everything works out. haagen vanilla ice cream. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty simple right there. <laughs> You'll find it in my refrigerator. You'll find it in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> freezer, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Jamie. Yeah, I'm Jamie. And... Uh, I uh, went to, grew up in a church, but uh, didn't, wouldn't call myself a follower of Christ until I was 12, and I went to a Youth for Christ rally, um, felt like the speaker was speaking to me, uh, not the 500 other people that were in the audience, and about making my commitment real. So that's when that happened. Um, I was in the Air Force for 30 years. I retired in 2017. We moved here to Bloomington and started coming to Sherwood Oaks uh, then, so yeah. and pretty much have been here ever since. Uh, the dessert answer, because there was some joking, you get to do this three times so you can kind of refine your answer. But I, yeah. <laughs> ice cream used to be my answer. Um, but uh, I'm on, you know, spiritually, we have a journey. And, I, you know, I told you at 12 I committed. And, but that journey is, like John shared, up and down. Well, I'm on a food journey now, too, and it doesn't include ice cream. But oh. I, you talked about love, and I uh, got some love from a church um, family member in my life group who's Help me come up with a better answer, and that's okay. Lisa now makes my wife uh, these uh, brownie bites with medul dates, peanut butter, coffee, uh, and uh, something else that makes them taste really good. So, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, and and John, we can partner that. Oh, you don't like coffee? Oh man. Well, I'll eat yours. Um, little, just let's keep this between us because I don't. I want to make sure that when I go there, I can still find it. Kroger makes this latte cookies and cream ice cream, and it's amazing. And so I think that that would probably go with, uh, with those brownie bites pretty well. All right. <laughs> Greg. 
Well, I'm so happy we got that figured out. Yes. That, well, that was working. <laughs> uh, so I'm Greg Reese, and I have followed Christ um, with bumps, turmoil, ups and downs for the past 13 years, and made uh, Sherwood, Ho Sherwood Oaks our church home uh, for most of that time since then. Uh, and it's really just meant so much to me, Angel, and our family. Um, so uh, what a wonderful place to call your church home and your family, as we talked about in the sermon today. Uh, Dessert-wise, I'm, I'm sticking with my mom's chocolate chip cookies, no doubt about that. <laughs> I've got the rest of my family here who there's some dessert diversity in the troop. Some of them <laughs> care for apple pie and apple cake and all that stuff, but really the best answer is my mom's chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Very but not good, every good night. answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit why you love... Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, and why you feel called to serve here as an, an elder. Sherwood Oaks Christian Church has, been, has really been a blessing for me. 18 years ago, I walked through the center doors here to come in. We were able to find a chair that wasn't occupied. That's good. Nobody kicked you out. Nobody no. okay, kicked good, me good. out. <laughs> kicked us out. I want my wife and I a cookie. And as the sermon was over, I walked out, and there were some guys standing out, and they just started talking to me. And it was like I had already been a member here. Mm -hmm. And we, we started doing things over and over. You know, they, they'd invite me to do things with them. And this church really shows love and the, the leadership. We have a – now, we're just becoming elders, or hopefully next week, but <laughs> we have a leader. Our leader, Jeff, for the elders, he's really on ball with this thing. I mean, he makes us want to be the people that we are. And you look at us saying, oh, yeah, we, we're happy for you. We're happy that we're able to do this for you. Thank you. If you get a chance this week, just pray for the leadership of this church. Yeah. Amen, man. Mm. It's tough going after the second preacher. Whew, yes. <laughs> but, but my similar story, as far as what I love about this church, it's the welcome feeling it, it, for a personal reason as well. Um, walking through, actually not the door, but out into the parking lot our first time here and being met by somebody who walked us in um, and uh, just made us feel connected. But it's because the church is intentional about that. That's what I love about Sherwood Oaks. And we also... Um, I think are intentional about that what we care about and what you just preached about, Sean, in how do we as a family take that love outside the doors. And so our church is active in our community and our church um, and church members I, I see around the community involved in helping organizations. But also that doesn't have to stop there. It's globally. And I think a church needs to have a heart um, for people around the world who don't know Jesus yet. And uh, we support almost 40 mission partners yeah. around the globe. And that's, that's very meaningful to me. So that's, those are the things I love about it. Why am I sitting up here? I, I believe leadership is about service. Um, and I think you have to, um, it's not because we get to wear a suit and I'm very uncomfortable in this suit, <laughs> by the way. But it, it's about serving those you're leading and, yeah. and shepherding. And so, and 
again, I'm going to refine my answer because I've had the third time is the charm on this thing. But <laughs> as I've thought about it each time we've come up here, and John touched on it a little bit, but leadership is also about teammates. Yeah. And I'm sitting with hopefully two new teammates. Who had coffee this morning? Anybody? Mm. Yeah. This is, this, yeah, I know he did because this is the guy that <laughs> was there at 7 o'clock making the coffee. Yeah. Getting the, getting, so coffee ministry, yeah, is that a big, I mean, but a lot of people are doing yeah. that. that. That's real service. John joined this church 18 years ago, and he's been a deacon pretty much ever since yeah. serving. So that's what, being with teammates yeah. like that in service is what great, man. makes the call feel real. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so it's a very similar story for me. It's, it is that family not only feeling, but it is a true family. There's a place to fit in, there's a place to belong, so many places in this church. Uh, no matter what your interest or your talents, there's a place to invest and serve your community. Um, you know, these guys I've served alongside in so many ways, uh, furniture ministry and others, uh, just week in and week out, and it's a place of belonging. So I've so much valued that. And the other thing about Sherwood Oaks is that outward focus, that we are serving our community, serving others, whether that's here locally or that's around the world with our mission partners, like Jamie pointed out. Um, as far as um, the elder thing, as, as I have considered this and prayed about this over the past few months, um, I just continue to be more encouraged um, as, we, as we meet as a leadership team and as we get to know each other um, you could not ask for a more committed, uh, a more uh, filled with integrity, and, and a group of men who are following Jesus to the best of their ability, day in and day out. Um, and, and the values of this place, of this church, of serving uh, the most vulnerable in our communities, um, I am all about that, so really excited to, to be a part of this. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for, for joining us. Can we give them one more hand? Uh, they'll be up here at the end of the service. Uh, if you would like to ask any further questions, I know that they would love to talk to you. So next week you will get a chance, hopefully, to affirm these men to be added to our eldership. So vote early and vote often. Sorry, that's actually not the way that it works. Uh, but if you are a member of Sherwood Oaks, you will have the chance to cast a ballot either online or in the lobby next Sunday. Uh, let, me, let me close out our time with this. At Sherwood Oaks, may we be a family that deeply loves one another and invites others to be a part of the family with us. May the love of Jesus be the defining characteristic of our church family. A love that was sacrificial and willing to go to any length, even to the cross. May that be the way that we love one another. And out of that love, may we serve one another and serve with one another. May we share life together in our community and around the dinner table. May we take the grace that we have so graciously received in Christ and extend it to one another. May we love one another to have hard conversations when we disagree and work to come to a place of unity. May we love even the most unlovable amongst us and may others love even the most unlovable parts of us. And may we trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly 
knowing that the greatest of these is love. God, thank you for your church and the way that you designed it to not be like family, but to be family. And Father, there is nothing more beautiful than your church when it is living in that way, loving each other and others in that way. And Lord, we don't always get it right. You know it. (laughs) But God, thank you for the grace that we have received that we can share with one another. Thank you that it's a place where, Lord, we can can grow together. We can be for one another. We can be with one another. And so, Father, I pray that here in this church, love will be the defining characteristic and that we will be family. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org slash messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.